strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. You're listening to Women for America, a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy organization for women, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. Here's your host, CEO and President, Penny Nates. I don't know if you, like me, have lost sleep, have cried, have prayed for the Israelis since the invasion by evil Hamas about two weeks ago. But today I wanted to take some time and take a good hard look behind the scenes at what's happened in Israel. What is Hamas? Why do they hate the Israelis so much? Why do they hate the Jews? Today we're going to take a moment and and hear from Luke Moon, who is the deputy director of Philos Project. He earlier in his career worked for the Institute of Religion and Democracy, and prior to that with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. He's taught in over 45 countries and has advocated for human rights issues along the way. Welcome, Luke Moon. Thank you so much for being with us at on Women for America today, and I'm just so excited to talk about your great work. First, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about uh, the Felis Project. How did you get involved, and what are you all concentrating on right now? Well, the Philos Project, we started to promote positive Christian engagement in the Middle East. At the beginning, we started in 2014. It was largely to raise awareness about persecuted Christians and also encourage Christian support for Israel and the Jewish people because we saw Israel as the model for the Middle East as opposed to the problem of the Middle East, right? It's the place where they have religious freedom and rule of law and pluralism and the things that we all value. That's normative there. And like, it would be good if it was all over the Middle East, right? right. Absolutely. Um, And so biblically speaking, you all have taken a strong stand for Israel, as has Concerned Women for America. In fact, it's one of our uh, seven core issues, support for Israel. And boy, this is taken front and center for us right now. But you all have always been there. So talk about a little bit about why standing for Israel is the position that Christians should take. What does the Bible say about that? Well, there's so much in the Bible that says about that. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, the Bible divides the world into two people, the Jews and then everybody else. And I'm not Jewish. I'm in the everybody else category. And you know, obviously we have the the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament that tells us all about God's relationship and engagement with the world, with the, with the people of this world and his plan, his universal vision for the whole world to, to know God's blueprint for humanity. And there's a, there's this great passage in, in Romans that says, uh, the root sustains you. You don't sustain the root. And he's talking to Gentiles there, non-Jews there, and saying, like, listen, that whole, that Hebrew Bible, that text, that supports you. You understand the the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what came before us. And so I think it's so important for non-Jews, Christians everywhere to stand in solidarity and friendship with the Jewish people, regardless of whether or not they they believe in Jesus the Messiah, where they heck, where they even believe in God. It doesn't matter. They still are special uh, to God, and and He has a plan for them 
regardless of what happens to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yes, special for them. Um, and we agree with you on that. We do. We absolutely reject replacement theology. We recognize that the promise that God made to Abraham is eternal. And um, and we are very clear that when Genesis says, um, I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curse thee. And so we understand that we have not only a friendship, but a responsibility uh, to the Jews. And that is the Jews here, or certainly the Jews in Israel, that that land is theirs. And they not only uh, have been given it throughout history, but they have does they deserve it? Um, years ago, I was at the uh, Kfar Aza kibbutz, the yeah. one that uh, in which I think they had some of the most heavy losses. It's right there on the border yeah. of Gaza, and um, you know, over the years, many people who have gone there and been on the border of Gaza have seen leftover rockets and shrapnel and things that have been launched into Israel. We've we met people there on the kibbutz. We heard about the fact that they had just a few seconds to get to their safe rooms and to their bomb shelters. Even the little children in their playground was built under a bomb shelter. And so it's just such a ridiculous, you know, for us way to live. Like we can't even imagine living like that. So someone in the group asked a woman there who was hosting us on the kibbutz, why don't you leave? And she looked at us and she said, why don't I leave? Where would I go? The Jews have been run out of and murdered in almost every country in the world. We have one Jewish state. There are almost 55, about 55 majority Muslim nations in this world, but one Jewish state. That's it. And we have to have one place where we're safe. And so, you know, how can you not understand that and support that and what they have just undergone? People that I'm sure I met are dead right now yeah. because of the invasion. But yeah. can you, for our view, our listeners, our viewers, explain who is Hamas? You know, people get confused between the, Pal I think people in the United States get right. confused against the Palestinians and Hamas. Can you right. help, you know, shed a little light on that for them? Yeah, the Palestinians are basically a, a people. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, like the, like the French are a people or the Fijians, right? right? Hamas is an organization uh, made, that is made up of Palestinians, but it's it's part of the infrastructure of the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't know if you remember the Muslim Brotherhood, it started in Egypt and it has spread all over the world. The, the, they tend to be the very strong Islamist movement. Actually, they take a they took a cue out of like the missionary playbook in which you know they if you they went into countries where the government was not taking care of the poor, mm -hmm. the widow, and the orphan. And the and and providing services, and they did that. So they they grew because they would center things like after school programs, health clinics, uh, feeding of the poor, uh, stuff for widows and orphans. They'd center that stuff out of the mosque, and you can imagine that you really get this like bottom up support of the masses. I mean, one of the polls, actually, just about every poll of the Palestinians over the last several years, um, more women than men voted for Hamas, uh, which is because they saw what Hamas provided for them, right? And so, but it's also a bit like 
you know, the degree to which, you know, Nazi Germany, not all Germans were Nazis, mm -hmm. but when, when, when the Nazis were in power, like all of the, all Germany suffered because of that. And that's what's that's going right. on with Hamas, right? Like not every Palestinian is supportive of Hamas, but because they're in the midst of it, they're kind of caught up in it, whether they like it or not. And, and just like I love your analogy with the Germans and Nazis, right? Yeah. If you don't support them, you don't dare say it publicly because they will kill you for yes. it. Yes. I mean, we've all seen those stories of, of you know, the people who, who hid the Jews in their mm -hmm. homes. And when they would find the Jews, they would kill the people who hosted them, too. That's right. Like, so it's, you know, people are like. Like, you know, I give some people a bit of grace in terms of, you know, they they, they got a tough road to hoe, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they don't support it, but what else are you going to do? At the same time, though, there's a certain level of complicity, right? That's like right. if somebody was building a bomb in my living room and I did not report them to the police and that bomb went and blew something up, I'm actually not only like legally bound, but like, well, morally bound. But That's right. Legally, actually, I could go to jail because I saw an act of evil about to happen and I didn't do anything to stop it. That's right. right? It just, so that, I think it gets back to our, our Nazi, uh, you know, um, <laughs> comparison. Like you can't yeah. say I'm just, I was just following orders, right? There is immorality. Um, and let's, let's also point out that in 2005, the Israelis finally just said, washed their hands of Gaza and yeah. said, it's always a problem. You you guys run it. We'll leave. And they took all the, the Israelis out of there, some of them at gunpoint, yeah. and made them leave behind. They even dug up their dead. And took them back into Israel with them and gave it all over to the to uh, the Palestinians, and they said, "Run it. This is up to you. Well, we're leaving you greenhouses that you can grow your food." What did they do? They elected no. Hamas and they blew up the greenhouses. And instead of making it a paradise, I mean, because it's all waterfront right there, right? It could, it's, it could be beautiful if it were developed and they believed in the free market and actually made an effort. But what did they do? They went instead made, uh, made common cause with Iran, which isn't even the same kind of Muslim as them, right. and made it a terrorist haven and determined promise to wipe israel off the map and that is the goal yeah no it's it they had such an opportunity i mean one of the they had the opportunity to be the switzerland not switzerland the singapore mm -hmm. of the region right singapore doesn't have natural resources singapore is an island it actually gets That's all right. its water from malaysia it gets a lot of its like goods come across a bridge right and yet it is a thriving place where super high uh, income of everybody, you know, the taxis are all Mercedes Benz, like it's amazing place. And that could have been Gaza, but the people were more interested in, in hating Jews than loving their own people and looking for the betterment of their own people. And it's a tragedy. It really is. My husband and I were, have just talked at length about all of this since the war started and just trying and trying to understand. And last night we were talking, I said, help, how could this be? We'd already said there's only, there's 55 majority Muslim nations, one Jewish state. 
It's a tiny little country the size of New Jersey. There's about 9.3 million people that live in that entire country, which makes it about the same size as New York City. This one little country is surrounded by people who hate them and are determined. And it's not like they're sitting on top of all kinds of oil or, I mean, certainly they have natural resources, but not like Saudi Arabia or even the United States when it comes to natural gas. And I'm like, why do they hate, why are they so bothered? Why are they so bothered by this little postage stamp size of a country that they have to focus as far away as Iran on wiping them off the face of the earth? And the bottom line is they hate Jews. There's that's the only explanation for it. It is not about economic issues. It is about spiritual issues. They hate them so much that they're totally blind. Yeah. I mean, my my definition of anti-Semitism is that it's an irrational hatred of the Jewish people rooted in the fact that they're the people who by which God brought his moral revelation into this world and the world hates him for it. Right. Like it doesn't matter like where or what they do. There are those that hate them because of that moral law, because of the law given on Mount Sinai to that people. And it's very spiritual. It, it like because it, it manifests itself all over the place, not just in, you know, in the Middle East with the neighbors, but at the United Nations with like grown people who, who like have to make a decision that they are going to hold Israel to a higher standard than any other group on the whole face of the earth. Right. Like you get Iran that gets elected to be <laughs> the head of like, you know, the women's betterment community, you know, committee and, and they attack Israel. Right. I'm like, really? Like, that's so weird. And, and, you know, the, the slander that Israel is an apartheid state is another example of that where they say Israel's apartheid state. They want to connect Israel as the, the racist state, the most, because racism is the greatest evil of all evils right now. And so every time there's a great evil, somehow somebody connects, oh, it's the Jews, right? Like they connect <laughs> Israel to it or the Jewish people to it. And they do that with apartheid. I mean, it's not even remotely similar to mm-hmm. South African apartheid, not even close. And yet they're given that accusation. It's pure slander. And, you know, our side responds by saying, no, there's this member of, you know, an Arab Muslim who's on the Supreme Court, or there's X number of here. Like, Christians or the, yes. yeah. It's, I'm saying like, mm-hmm. stop. It's not about the facts. It's about slander. That's right. The slander against the Jewish people because they are still special to God and the world hates that so much. Well, and so, you know, they have a long history, I don't know, 4,000 years that they've been in that land. And of course, the other side denies it. But I was, my husband, again, my husband and I having this conversation is trying to wrap our minds around it. And we were saying, you know, it's almost as if, what if, what if 
Texas, what if Mexico was still mad about Texas, right? right. And they want it back and they're going to just, they're just going to lob over rockets into Texas until we somehow finally give up and give it all back to them. Except it's not really the, like they would want Texas is like, they'd want the whole United States right. They'd right. Want, or all of North America. The Indians want it all back and we have to give right. it all back to them and we all must die. I mean, that's really the only way that you could actually look at it. I, it is so difficult for for me to understand, and you mentioned the UN, the, the Human Rights Commission at the UN is like the people on it is just laughable and they all hate Israel to the point yeah. where Nikki Haley, when she was the UN ambassador, pulled us out of it because they were just all so hateful and hate-filled towards the Jews that they couldn't talk about anything else. Um, talk to me about Christians in Israel. We know there is a large Christian population, uh, but it seems as though they identify more as Christians than as being Israelis. Can you give, a little, give us a little insight into that? Yeah, there are there are actually a, a lot of Christians in, in Israel, not all of whom are what are called Messianic Jews. They're not, you know, right. Jews who follow Jesus as Messiah. Well, some of them are Arab Jews, right? right Arab, some, Arab Christians. Some Arab Christians. There's, yes. you know, basically lots of different kinds of Christians in the land. Um, you know, it is growing. There's about, my understanding, about 30,000 uh, Messianic Christians in Israel. That's up from, I mean, in the eighties, there was a handful, I mean, mm. a handful, like as in like a hundred. So wow. there's been a lot, um, a lot of the, the Russians who came after the fall of the Soviet union, a lot of them, uh, had like were Messianics when they came, that kind of thing. It is, it's a real challenge for them because, they're not always looked, they, they're not seen as Jews by the Jews and they're not seen as, they're just not seen the right way by a lot of people on the ground. You know, it's a bit like, you know, I don't know where the average person thinks on Mormonism, but, a, you know, it's a lot of Christians think, oh, Mormonism's not Christian. And a lot of Mormons say, no, we're Christian. And so you get that dynamic there with the Jews and the Messianics, like, mm -hmm. Jews say, the Messianic Jews will say, no, we're Jews. And then Jews will say, no, no, you're not. It's a weird dynamic there. Mm -hmm. um, but they are often in a, in a hard place, but often are, you know, just as much as anybody else. Right now, the the rockets are not discriminating. Right. Between, you know, are you Jewish? Are you Messianic Jewish? Mm -hmm. Are you a Bedouin? I mean, there's some mm -hmm. stories out there of, uh, there was a story I read yesterday of a young boy. He was an, he was a Bedouin uh, Muslim and he, he was with his father. And when Hamas came, they came to his house and he said, he said, no, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. Uh, and the guy, the Hamas guy said, some of you are, are more Jewish than the Jews and he and killed him and shot the boy. The boy lived miracle mm. there. But that just shows the indiscriminate nature of these attacks on on all the people of the land, not just not just uh, the Christians. But you know the Christians are doing good work there. There's a lot of, of um, services being provided right now, and a lot of uh, you know feeding people and helping with housing and helping with all kinds of stuff like that. It's very important. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, and I met some the Christian, by the way, we just had Joel um, Rosenberg on, who's right. our Christian brother and a great author uh, speaking to him. But in Israel, I have met Bedouins and Christians and they're allowed, they do serve in the Knesset, which is their yep. Congress. Um, and so it is, uh, you know, it's just so fascinating, all of it, and certainly complicated. And you do have, you know, the border wall. We're here in the U.S., we're dying for a wall. <laughs> Israel, took on itself to build uh, a wall between um, the what the other side calls the West Banks, Judea and Samaria is how we would refer to it, um, because of all the antifadas and all, I mean, buses are getting blown up and such. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was really in the, you know, just around the time that Israel pulled out of Gaza, just mm -hmm. before then, they were also facing real indiscriminate attacks against civilians uh bus being blown up really the last straw before they built a wall in israel was that a, a a suicide bomber got on a bus filled with school kids and just as the bus pulled up in front of the elementary school that's when the, when when he blew himself up just like and and that was the last straw and uh israel created a, a separation barrier is what they call it some of it uh, is concrete in the, in the urban areas, it's concrete. And then, but the majority is, is basically a monitored fence, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that was used in order to basically, you know, like we have a problem with our Southern border, anybody can just walk across, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what it was like, you want to come into Israel, you have to go through the right ways. That's um, right. You know, and, and, and they're listen, very particular about. I mean, I've been back and forth. I'm sure as you have, but you got to understand the history why that they're so careful about who comes across. But you know, good borders make good neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. If you're always arguing over with your neighbor over where you where like you know where the border is, put up a fence, and then you know, right? Both sides know, and it's it's I don't know, it, it's one of my you know the open border you know let them all come mm -hmm. in crowd. They, mm -hmm. This is this is what you get when you get that right. Yeah. Like is is a very you just have no idea who comes in your country and what their intent is, and it's it's not always good. That's right. You don't always know who's coming into your country, and you know it's the role of the government to uh, look after the citizens by letting know who comes in. And I'm very fearful because we have been so lax on that. What does this mean? Is Hamas, yes. you know, going to wage war against us? Probably well, there are there are reports every day now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even one I saw today of uh, the Border Patrol have identified people who have come into the country who are on watch lists. And those are the ones we're catching. Right. right? We're talking millions are coming across. And, you know, I suspect that the ones who don't want to get caught, they're doing a pretty good job. But it's mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's uh, a wide open order down there um let's talk a little bit about um innocent victims you know concern women for america our top issue has also been always been the issue of life yeah. and when you value human life you are a more moral people yeah. and when you don't value human life like hamas then you are willing to use anyone for your evil purposes, like their own children. I mean, let's talk a little bit about where, so, you know, the Israelis are so careful 
to try not to have collateral damage, to try to only hit combatants. The other side doesn't play fair, though. And the Israelis just said to leave. And for a while there, Egypt didn't want them to have the Rava Passage to be able to, is it Raza Passage? Right, uh, Raba. Raba Passage, the Raba Passage in order to, um, for a while there, Egypt didn't want to uh, open the Raba Passage so that some of the Gaza inhabitants could actually get out. And the reason is because they, the same concern we have, they don't want Hamas in their own country. They kicked the Muslim Brotherhood out of Egypt. So what is, how do we pray, I guess is my question, for innocent children, for instance, that are just, you know, victims of Hamas the same way other people are? Well, I think that, you know, the way that I've been praying, um, I, I've been praying several things. One is I've been praying for the destruction of Hamas. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally appropriate for Christians to recognize evil. One of the most frustrating things I've seen over the last couple of weeks has been the responses out of Christian organizations that is so much like both sidesism. Yes. Right. We renounce violence on both sides. We pray for both sides. I'm like laughable I'm so moral equivalencies. Yes, being drawn. It's okay to pray against the evildoers. That's it's actually right. okay. Like I can't imagine, you know, it actually I, I actually went back and pulled up the statement made by the Archbishop of Canterbury about the Nazis. And when the when it what came out what they were doing to the Jewish people in, in Nazi Germany, and I compared that with the statement out of the Archbishop of Canterbury now. Then it was like it was all about the Nazis need to be destroyed. What they're doing is evil. It was very clear. And the, the Archbishop of Canterbury this time was like, oh, you know, it's it's terrible. We renounce all the violence by Hamas, but you've got to look after the Palestinians and the innocent and the like. It was so much of the hemina, 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 mm-hmm. right? Like, let's just call it out. You don't have to say, I want the destruction of Hamas. Oh, and look after the Palestinians. I mean, that should it should be okay just to say, let's call for the end of Hamas. They are mm-hmm. the reasons why the Palestinian, the innocent Palestinian is suffering because mm-hmm. of them. And they were elected. Let's remember that as well. Yes, they were they were elected and, and haven't been there's been no election since it was mm-hmm. a, it was a one and done. But the, the problem is, you know, there's also a verse in Habakkuk where you know, in that exchange between the prophet Habakkuk and God, it, like, you know, how is how is God going to take care of the evil that is happening around him? And and in that, he recognizes that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the evildoer. And he Habakkuk says to God, in your wrath, remember mercy. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I find a lot of, like, comfort in that in that I am I am asking God to bring an end to Hamas. Mm-hmm. And I'm also asking God that in your wrath against Hamas, remember mercy. Remember mm-hmm. the kids who are who are just caught up, you know, and it's 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 tragic. And they there's a lot of people who have nowhere to go. You know, the border between Egypt and Gaza is still closed. They're not letting people out. And that's a real problem. There's a lot of people there. And there isn't any good solutions. And I also pray, you know, for our leaders, uh, mm-hmm. both on this side of, uh, you know, the ocean and on their side, because 
you know, you get to a certain level of leadership and you've probably seen this a lot in, in your life. Penny mm -hmm. is that like you get a certain level of leadership and you, you don't anymore get to choose between a good and a bad option. Mm -hmm. Basically you're spend your day making choices between two bad ones. Mm -hmm. And that's what prime minister Netanyahu is, is facing this day and the commanders and the generals and the chief of staff and all the leader of Israel is they have two bad options. They option one is like to do nothing. This is not mm -hmm. really an option. Mm -hmm. so to just no. like, you know, it's like they have to respond because they live in a tough neighborhood. And if they look weak, everybody else is coming at them. Absolutely. Everybody. It's That's, over for them. It is. So they can't look weak. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, all the world is watching. If you if they just misplace one bomb in the wrong spot, look what mm -hmm. happened with the hospital. Right. They, Which they, it was like, such a lie. And yet oh, yeah. the New York That's Times and other legacy media are so happy to play along with the lies of Hamas. Yes. Like they, well, I, you know, they, it just makes you wonder, like, do you even care about truth? Well, well, I don't, I think they got, they were like looking for it. They were like, mm -hmm. for oh, days, sure. they had, they had been like having to report on dead Jews, which mm -hmm. they don't really care about. Finally, finally, they had a chance to report about dead Palestinians. That was what they were just, ex it's almost like they were excited to be able to change yes. the narrative and blame Israel because Always. Israel was, was the victim and they hate that Israel's the victim. They wanted Israel, like their narrative as is Israel is the oppressor. Mm. That's the narrative that they mm -hmm. want to run 24 seven. And when there's these examples of brutality at a level that is uh, like, beneath the most respectable person like that has to be like they they it drives them crazy they just mm -hmm. want to be they, they want to hate israel and the hospital will give them an opportunity but here's one thing that's really important is that hamas intentionally and actually all the muslims do this all across the region they will put rockets intentionally of on course. the homes of christians or their mortars or their snipers knowing that the response to them will be to blow up the building where they were, right? And mm -hmm. it will blow up the Christian building, the Christian home, the Christian's family's home, the Christian apartment, the Christian hospital, weird, okay? Or the or the building that was next to the church in Gaza. Mm -hmm. All this stuff, this is intentional. And it's because they, they want to rid the land, first of the Saturday people, which is the Jews, mm -hmm. and second the Sunday people, which is the Christians. Yes. Well, they, and that was a happy, happy circumstance for them. Of course, it was their rocket. <laughs> right. And it didn't actually hit the hit the hospital. It hit the, the parking, parking lot. lot. But right. if it had blown up the Christian hospital, that would have been just a happy circumstance. And of course, yeah. they were always going to blame the Jews on it. Um, we should wrap up. But I, I just want you to see this is a three year old. Her name is Abigail. Abigail was and I'll just put that up there a little longer. Abigail is a Jewish child who lived in Far Azah on the kibbutz, and her mother was murdered. Um, and Hamas came into their little house. Their mother had had thought ahead 
And most people have, they have their bombshells in the safe room, but her, their mother, her mother had put extra thought into the safe room. And it was a little bit more hardened and a little bit different place than everyone else's. So Hamas came in, they murdered her mother, her siblings, a six-year-old and a 10-year-old went into the safe room, but they came out when they realized their mother was dead and they went to look for their father. Their father was holding little Abigail, who's three, and the other two siblings saw him shot and murdered, and he fell over, I guess, on top of little Abigail. They thought she was dead, too, but they'd been trained by their mother, if anything went wrong, to go back to get stay in the safe room. So they went back to the safe room. They took their phone. Um, and they were texting family members that lived elsewhere and telling them that their mom was dead, their dad was dead. And they were, they spent 12 hours in their safe room hiding out and their family said, stay there. What they didn't know was that little three-year-old Abigail was not dead and that she got out from underneath her father's corpse, covered in his blood and went and found a neighbor. The neighbors took her in, the father had a gun and he went out among the others in the kibbutz to try to get the get Hamas, get the terrorist out of the kibbutz. While he was gone, Hamas came back. to. So the houses are in line, little rows of little houses. They came back to that house and kidnapped, kidnapped Abigail and the other woman, the other mother and all the children. So these two little children, the 10 year old and the six year old on Friday, this past Friday, buried their dead parents. They're all orphans now. And their only little sister, their three-year-old sister, is one of the kidnapped children that are in Gaza. I cannot tell you how much sleep that I've lost in thinking of her. I met her family. I met her great aunt. And I was brought her great aunt and some other family members to meet with members of Congress. They were all women, members of the Senate and members of the House of Representatives. And we prayed over these families. And so I'd love to um, share this prayer with you now. And you and as our closing, um, us recognize that there are families that are grieving. There are children and women who have been raped. There are, there are uh, little, little orphan children that right now are in Gaza. And in Gaza, they have to be liberated. In the IDF, and perhaps even, I don't know if American soldiers will join them, but they're certainly advising them, have to go in and rescue this child. Yeah. Little Abigail has to be rescued. And when that happens, we don't know what's going to happen. But we do know that that Hamas has no care for the innocent and are, and you were just talking about it, Luke, about how that they will use children and women and families as human shields. And so we recognize this and we need to pray for them, but I will close with this. And this is the same prayer that I prayed over the Jewish families that are, we're talking to Congress about their kidnapped families and it's Jeremiah 31, 15 through 16. It's part of their Bible. They called the Nevaim, and it's our Old Testament, of course. And Jeremiah 31, 15 through 16 says, this is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. 
Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. This is my prayer, and I just appreciate the great work that you're doing, Luke, and we appreciate uh, the Philos Project. We have worked together with you all, taking our Young Women for America members to Israel. How can we pray for you, Luke? Well, we've been busy uh, every day uh, working on this issue, working to raise awareness, working to strengthen the Christian community's resolve to stand with Israel. It, it has got to stay strong because in the days and weeks ahead, when the whole world turns against the Jews, the Christians have to be the ones who say, no, these are our friends, our brothers, and we will stand with them regardless. That is that is our calling, and that is what I think we must uh, be ready for. And so just prayer for us to be strong and and. We're, in, we're encouraging people on Thursday to do a, a day of action. Mm-hmm. And we have this thing where if you bring white roses, we encourage Christians to bring a bouquet of white roses to a synagogue near them. Oh, I love that. And, and uh, we will do roses that. Harkens to, there was a group of young professionals and college students in the 40s called themselves the White Rose mm. against the Nazis. Uh, and so we chose that the white rose as, as a symbol for that. And so uh, on Thursday, we're encouraging Christians all across the country to bring bouquet of white roses and a card saying, we stand in friendship and solidarity. With I you. love that. We will do that at CWA. We encourage all of yeah. you to do that. And this fits perfectly on Wednesday. I will be down um, at my alma mater, Liberty University, and we will be hosting alongside the Freedom Center with a Stand with Israel rally. Um, it'll be a prayer vigil that we're going to have on Liberty University's campus on Wednesday. Um, and it is so important right now. You're seeing all of the these, uh, you know, different uh, rallies for uh, the Palestinians and really basically for Hamas, whether they say it or not, is pro-Hamas rallies is what's happening on college campuses all over this country. It's time for us to begin, and we're going to be working with YWA, our Young Women for America Collegiate Chapters, and hosting those all over the country because we need to all stand firm, stand loud and proudly alongside Israel. We are going to be horrified as things go forward because, again, Hamas does not care about little children. But let's remember how this started and who the victims are and stand firm with Israel. Thank you. And God bless you, Luke. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Women for America. To keep up with the work that we're doing, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head to our website, concernedwomen.org.